thanks to this episode's sponsors. At Athletic Brewing Company, their innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to gold nails and more, they offer a full selection of beers starting at only 50 calories. Now you can keep your head clear and enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime, anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. NZ Hops Limited is a proud sponsor of Drink Beer, Think Beer. Harvest has officially ended in New Zealand, and there are exciting hops to choose from, including Nelson Savin, Motuika, Verwaka, and the newest hop in the lineup, Nectaron. The white wine, stone fruit, and tropical fruit notes layered with pine, citrus, and herbal notes offer a range of flavors unlike any other growing region in the world. Learn more about what they can do for your beers by visiting nzhops.co.nz or finding nzhops on social media. And Brees has been malting barley for 145 years, and the fifth generation of family ownership is currently leading the company. But the values have always remained the same, producing the highest quality, most consistent malt, and working directly with their customers to help them succeed. From Pilsner's to Porter's and everything in between, Brees offers the finest handcrafted malts, extracts, and adjuncts to help you brew the perfect beer. Visit Brees.com or visit their social media channels to see and learn more. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. There's a lot happening in the beer industry these days. Following numerous posts on the Instagram account of Brianne Allen of Notch Brewing, hundreds of women have come forward with stories of abuse, harassment, and worse by men in the brewing industry, as well as customers. It's an important story that deserves a lot of attention, and we'll be doing just that in the coming weeks. In the meantime, I'll encourage you to read these accounts and responses from some of the named breweries. On Instagram, she's at ratmagnet. And you can also go back to the episode of this show that Brianne recorded with me last year. This week, I'm talking with Mike Patterson and Emily Vitas of Small Chains Brewing in Massachusetts. The brewery recently turned three, and over the last few months, I've actually had the chance to try their beers from pale ales to porters, and I've been struck by the nuance of the flavors as well as the presentation of the cans. The couple, Emily says she handles the outside of the can, and Mike says he does the inside. But as you'll hear, this contract brand is really a collaborative effort on both points. We talk about music, the pandemic, and recipe development. They spoke to me over Zoom from their home in Somerville, Massachusetts, and I started off by asking them to go deeper into the brewery name and its meaning. Here's our conversation. In thinking about your brewery name of Small Change, where does that come from? What, what is the meaning behind the name? So uh, we're, we're both big music fans. We've always played music and listened to music. And we knew we kind of wanted to tie the brewery into music somehow. We weren't really sure um, how that would work. But we started um, trying to come up with a name. I mean, obviously, like you said, 10,000 breweries, all the sort of all the brewery names that you would think of have already been taken um yeah i wish we had kept the list of uh brewery names that we uh we liked but were already taken because some of them were really good yeah <laughs> um but so we sort of listening to music that we liked and and um trying to maybe you know borrow or reference something in music um for the brewery name and we um i think i was i was listening to small change uh the album small change by tom waits at work one night yeah we would we would text back and forth whenever we come up with something and inevitably someone would go nah that's no good um or like you'd have a really great idea i'd have a great idea and i'd call and i'm like how about this and she's like are you kidding that's that's terrible um but so i text do you remember do you remember one such oh i no okay that's probably (laughs) best to block that out of your mind emily do you remember one such i do not it's like a you know trying to remember five years ago, uh, I just remember that it was harder to name the brewery than it was to name our kids. <laughs> and one of our kids didn't have a name for 24 hours after she was born. So really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, we Anyway. Yeah. But there's so much that goes into a name where once it goes out there, I mean, it, it, it does sort of become your identity a little bit. Yeah. So that was we, we both, kind of, you know, I said, how about small change? And she went, you know what? That's that's not bad. 
and we Googled it and no one had taken it. So we sort of sat with it for a little while and we didn't really have, um, we didn't really have like a niche as far as the beer was concerned. Like what we didn't really have, like it wasn't, you know, like Jack's Abbey in, in Framingham here, you know, they do loggers, like that's mm-hmm. their thing. Notch does session beers. Like we didn't really have yeah. that sort of quick, you know, what do we do? But we knew we kind of wanted to work in some some styles that, that weren't so much available um, in, you know, in the home state of Treehouse and Trillium, where it's, you know, hazy IPAs. Um, so we said, you know, small change is kind of a, it kind of works with with this kind of vague idea of, of, of what we want to do um, beer-wise. And yeah, it, yeah, it just led to, you know, small change, you know, it was just kind of, Mike just said it, and then it, it led to many other, like, it fits so well to what we what we wanted to do, and it, it helped us clarify what we wanted to do as well. You know, take something and make a small change to it and uh, and, you know, go with that. So that's so interesting because often you the, the breweries that you mentioned, they got into it with a sort of a very clear idea of what they wanted to be. And then there's also breweries that just want to be a brewery and sort of make what they want to make and and and, and do what they want to do kind of thing and uh, maybe fall into a niche or maybe fall into you know some, some similarities down 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 the road. But when you were both planning on getting into this. Where did that conversation start between the two of you that's like, okay, we want to, you know, start, you know, our own beer brand, our own idea and contribute to the beer world. Um, it's, it started off as a, as homebrewing, um, as a hobby. Um, and we, we got into, um, so we got, we, we were both living in New York. Um, we moved up here and, uh, I got a part-time job working at a wine store that had a craft beer section and got an employee discount. So started to bring <laughs> home, um, bring home bottles that I'd never heard of before. And, you know, opening a bottle of barley wine, having no idea what it was. Um, and so just got really into craft beer and, um, she bought a homebrew kit for a Christmas or birthday gift. And, um, it started off extract brewing on, um, on the stovetop and eventually many years later got way out of hand with a, you know, uh, three uh, an all grain system with pumps and everything in the on the on the back porch and fermentation temperature control and all that and just loved brewing and um, it was just something that um, we knew we wanted to it's you know kind of whatever hobby you have it's like oh it'd be great to do this as a living um, and just kind of always wanted to um, take the beer recipes that we were making at home and share them with the world and and then we also realized that you know running a a beer company is not, um, it's not just making beer. Um, mm-hmm. that's part of it, but it's, it's really not the, in the end it, you know, making the business is, is, uh, is a lot bigger than that. And we realized through, you know, all the various skills we've picked up along the years through all our various jobs and interests that we can, we, we really could do, you know, most of the business ourselves, um, from, you know, making, making the, you know, making the can art, um, to, you know, doing sales, we could learn that. And, you know, we realized that we, you know, whatever we didn't know we could learn. And then we realized like, well, maybe we can't, you know, we do actually need a lawyer, you know, things like that. Oh, but yeah. We realized we could cover so much of it. Um, and you know, we wouldn't have to hire people to do it. And we realized we could, we could actually make a go of it. And, you know, that, I think we, we, we thought that, and it took us about a year to, to actually believe it. Um, and then probably another two before we actually started the business. So um, of planning and figuring it out, but you know, it was a, you know, I was like, I could make a logo. What weird, how, how could I, you know, like believing that, that we could do things like that. <laughs> but I, I, I'm always, the thing that I really like love talking about with people is when somebody decides to go pro with it and to put themselves out there, um, you know, make a family business, you know, what, whatever the case is, there has to be some sort of level of here's what I want to contribute to beer, you know, right now. Um, and in some cases it's, you know, Oh, I really loved brewery X and I want to do what they do. And, you know, or in other cases, it's, you know, I'm so frustrated that people aren't doing why, so I'm going to do that. Um, you know, for, 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 for you two, 
when you got into this, what did you want to bring to beer and to the beer industry? Um, I think, you know, uh, there, there are a lot of styles that, you know, kind of get overlooked, um, in sort of the, the, the hype, uh, the hype of, uh, either limited release beers or, or, um, you know, the new, the next new, um, New England IPA. Um, there's a lot of stuff that just gets overlooked and even the, you know, even the, the lining up at a brewery to get a, a, a case of IPA on release day or something, um, is, is becoming the norm rather than like going to your local pub and having a, you know, a pint of cask beer or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so, you know, I, we definitely haven't gotten to that point yet, but I think um, sort of being able having the flexibility, the way that we have our business set up, we have the flexibility where we can put out beers. Like a, we do an English dark mild that's um, on the shelf. Bold move. Yeah. 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 Um, so like we're able I mean, to- I, I love it and I'd love to see more of it, but I imagine oh, in a world sell. of hazy right now, people are- well, it sells, but it doesn't make any money. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, but we're able to do stuff like that and, and hopefully, you know, instead of just pumping out IPA after IPA, maybe, you know, if not turn somebody on to a style that they might not have had before. Cause you, you know, it's like, you can't just walk into a store and buy a four pack of dark mild in most places. Um, so either turning, turning someone on to a style that they might not have had before, or just pr- providing sort of a, um, a, a, you know, something different in the world of, of, you know, hazy IPAs. Because when Mike was was homebrewing um, exclusively, you know, we, um, I remember I, I liked, uh, I really like a, a Dunkel, um, Cluster Ondex Dunkel is, is one of my favorites. And so he brewed me one, you know, and that was great. And then, you know, then he could, oh, I want a dark mild. He could just make one and we, we, we didn't have to go to a store and buy one. And we realized how, you know, how, well, I realized how lucky I was that, you know, I, I could just. I could just say, Hey, why don't you make this? And he would do it. Um, <laughs> and you know, that, I, I, I mean, you had to I, wait two, two weeks, weeks, but yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. You know, it's, it's a, <laughs> I, I think a little intentional usually, with my cravings. For, usually four weeks. Cause the first one would always be like, Oh, that one. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> not, yeah. a little tweaking. <laughs> um, but you know, kind of that, that idea that, you know, you, you, it, it would be nice to not have to get, you know, a German beer to, you know, a, a beer that came from Germany. It would be nice to just have something, you can go to the the local store and it was made, you know, right here. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. You bring up home brewing and a lot of times when home brewers go pro, um, they've graduated from stovetop to their own system to, you know, the, the, five gallons at a time. And uh, the next logical step for a lot of home brewers has been, okay, we're going to open up, you know, a nano, a, a, a one barrel, a three barrel, you know, up to seven, maybe, and then maybe scale from there or, or go right all in and, 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 and go big. Um, you went from home brewing to professional contract brewing. What, what was that decision? How was that? How was that made? So it, it originally, I mean, was it, it was not what we wanted to do. Um, we wanted to, um, you know, open a small nano brewery, three barrels or less. Um, but we kind of figured out that, um, we had never run a business first of all. So the idea of taking out a whole bunch of money in a loan or getting money from investors, using other people's money to do it, um, being we were, responsible for payroll for yeah. you know other people's livelihood. Uh, we weren't really comfortable with that, um, just from the business side of things, the financial side of things. Um, so, uh, especially um, at least around here, there's just there's there's a ton of small breweries. So we were also worried, like how do we how do we get people in the door um, when they have you know 150 different options within you know a few miles of, of where we are. Yeah. Uh, so we we thought. Um, you know, maybe we could start contract brewing, get some beer out to market, see how it does sort of proof of concept where, um, you know, we could sort of send out beers that aren't 
hazy IPAs like a, a 4.9% um, pale ale and a, and a dark mild and and see if there's a reception to them that that would um, you know make it easier to um, to take out a giant loan and yeah. spend a bunch of other people's money to to open a facility. And and that makes sense. And it in reading up on you before this this conversation, I kind of kept going back to pretty things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Dan and Martha and what they did um, for the beer scene in Massachusetts and New England and the beers that they were making, but also contracting out there as well. And they, there are niche beer fans, right? I mean, dark milds aren't necessarily something that comes up often in even polite conversation, um, but there, there, there are people who really flock to them and, and, and look for them. Yeah, I mean that's the one beer we constantly get. I mean, consistently get emails about um, people saying, like, either just you know, thanks for making a, a dark mild available at my local beer store, or like, where can I find it? How do I get some stuff like that? Well, we uh, we also we made it the first time, and we thought it would be a seasonal, um, just at the uh, the beginning of um, of fall, and we got so many emails um, saying where where's the dark mild that we we started making it a springtime beer as well. And, um, you know, that, that, that was, a that was really great to, to hear that people were really responding to it. And it did fill this, this niche, um, in, in the, in the store, uh, in stores for, for people, because you can get dark milds, you know, in breweries right now, but, uh, I don't think there are very many, um, or any, um, in cans. But to go back to the, to go back to the contract brewing and the, and the, yeah. um, you know, I mean, we're sitting underneath a, a Pretty Things poster here in our uh, home office. Um, oh, I missed that before. But yeah. it's sort of on the side, so it's hard to see. Okay. On, but um, I mean, that that was the first, I mean, getting that beer and sort of finding out about what they were doing um, back then was, uh, that was the first time I realized that, you know, you could sort of have a, have a brewery without having a brewery. Um, and then just the styles that... Um, the styles of beer that they put out, you know, the Jack door and, you know, just having these um, sort of, you know, again, I'm overlooked beer styles um, that you could just walk into a store and get um, almost anywhere. Uh, yeah. was great. And so yeah, I definitely, I mean, they're, um, I don't know. I don't want to say not an influence, but, you know, I mean, it was definitely pretty things was sort of the, the beer that, I mean, I don't, it, we, we definitely, um looked a lot to what they did when we were starting our planning for what we were going to do yeah i mean the proof of concept was there yeah uh, through what they did yeah definitely when and so when you're contracting now uh you mentioned before we started that that you're doing it at a couple of different places Mm -hmm. i I imagine logistically that's got to have its own headaches and nightmares but are there because you're making different styles and you do have hazy ipa uh in in your lineup and uh you you have a great porter and you you have different you know ales that are out there uh from from different styles are you finding that there are certain breweries that are better suited for the beers that for for particular beers over others or is it just solely based on availability like how do you how do you work out like being at multiple locations um well we just started uh most of our stuff is brewed at one one brewery, and then um, there was another local brewery that just took over an existing space, and so they increased their capacity, you know, tenfold overnight. So they had just the the extra room um, to do to do some some contract work. Um, yeah, but it's it's definitely um, you know you're, you're we're sort of at the in terms of styles, you know, we're kind of at the mercy of of what the brewery usually produces in in ways mm-hmm. so it's like it's, it's kind of you know we, we've never put out a lager it's just it's hard for us to do a lager um yeah tying up tanks is yeah. exactly yeah where you know if they're turning over tanks you know to to have it sit for an extra couple of days uh, one is hard just logistically to schedule and two ends up you know that cost gets passed on to us um which sort of makes it hard to uh you know price a, a pilsner at a, at a point where people are going to buy it yeah um uh so it's i mean 
it's not so much, um, we, we've only just started brewing at a second brewery. Um, so it's, it's not so much uh, a logistical issue. It's just sort of, um, you know, what's, what's available um, in terms of capacity. And also, yeah. you know, if we need a certain yeast and it's not available at one brewery, now we have two that uh, that we can that we can use, which is great. How, how is the act of contract brewing been during the pandemic? Um, it's it hasn't really affected us, to be honest. Okay. Uh, at least that side of things. Um, you know, bars and restaurants shut down, but but packaged beer sort of, sort of kept up, um, or, or even increased, um, throughout, throughout the pandemic. Um, I mean, it, it definitely didn't, it, the, the, the brewery that we worked with through the pandemic didn't, didn't shut down and they kept, they kept going. Um, they're sort of a large regional sized, uh, brewery. So they, they kept, okay. uh, but I, do I, feel that I, I realized that I, 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 and, I know you haven't name checked it yet. Do do you keep quiet where you're contract brewing? I don't actually know. Oh no. Um, so most most of our stuff is brewed up at uh, Great North Aleworks in Manchester, New Hampshire. Oh, okay, sure. Um, so yeah, they they um, they kept uh, they were they were they kept production up um, uh, throughout the entire pandemic. Um, so so from a from a production side of, from the production side of things, it doesn't it didn't really affect us too much. Okay. Sorry, Emily, you, you were about to oh, say something uh, and I jumped in. I, I think, uh, you know, when at the beginning of the pandemic, when everything was uncertain and uh, brewer, breweries with tap rooms, um, you know, were, couldn't, couldn't sell. Um, you know, I think we, I think we contributed to Great North, you know, weathering that storm um, because we, you know, we were there for them. We, we actually could increase, uh, we could, you know, they're like, hey, you want to brew more? We're like, yes, we do want to brew more. <laughs> um, and so we not only could grow our business, but to you know help help keep uh, money going into them. Um, so you know we so that was great. That felt great that you know we could contribute you know to keeping a place alive that you know we love as well. Well, not that we were. I mean, well, yes, we, we were contributing. No, we were contributing to yes, it that we yeah. you know, uh, we helped. But, but uh, so. If all of a sudden you can increase production and you can have more beer, then the challenge becomes selling that extra beer that, that that you've made that maybe you hadn't been thinking about, you know, in January of 2020. And the act of selling beer or getting in front of new customers, I think, was pretty difficult um, uh, and certainly almost impossible in person uh, during the height of the pandemic. So when you have all of this extra beer that's now out on the market how are you trying to connect with customers and how are you trying to, and how did you find success in connecting with new people? Uh, I don't know if we did, <laughs> to be honest. Um, well, we increased our social media um, presence a little bit. We, we got more into Instagram, um, which seems to be where, uh, where, where the, where the people are looking for beer. That's where the kids um, are. Yeah, it's yep. where the kids are, and the kids are all in their thirties and forties. I know that's cool. But all all the hip thirty and forty year olds. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we, I mean, we we tried to do. I mean, especially you know at this time last year, April April May, um, we people were trying to figure out. You know, I mean, we would do in store tastings pre pandemic. We do in store tastings every Friday Saturday, um, and so and then festivals and events on the weekends and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, or I feel like around this time people were trying to come up with different ideas um, about what to do. You know, we tried virtual tasting, virtual tastings with stores, you know, where you go to the store and buy a four pack and then we'll do a zoom tasting. And, and that never really seemed to, that never really seemed to pan out. Um, no, but we did. Um, th there was a, there was a, an events company that obviously couldn't do events during the pandemic um, crafted. Um, so she ended up um, every week would do a, uh, an interview with a brewery where they, you know, share the beer and talk about the beer and talk about the company. And, and I think that was sort of how, um, that was sort of the, the, the most, uh, the virtual beer stuff, just, um, it was hard. Um, but I think that that was kind of the most, um, effective way was were, were those, um, we did one or two of those, um, 
uh, virtual tastings slash interviews um, through through event companies that that you know otherwise would have had to shut down during the during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just I mean, I think that was that was it, and then sort of just trying to maintain the social media as much as possible, um, any kind of virtual communication with with customers that, that was available. But you but you did see the beer move off the shelves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. I don't know if you know, but people drank a lot in this past year, <laughs> a lot. So that I'm I'm well hard. I'm well aware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially I mean, especially in the beginning. Um, yeah. Through 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 the fall, I think it. it um, I mean, even the even the I think the tap. I mean, the even losing the the draft sales, we didn't do we we didn't do a lot of draft sales anyway. It was probably only about twenty percent of of the beer that we sold. Um, but the increase in can sales. We'll get back to it in just a minute, but first a bit from our sponsors, and I hope you'll give them a closer look. Brees is the original craft maltster and currently offers the broadest product line in the industry. Brees's barley is grown from the Bighorn Basin in Wyoming and Montana, where warm days, cool nights, and floodwater irrigation yield some of the highest quality barley in the United States. At Athletic Brewing Company, their innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. And if you're thinking about beer competitions and the newly announced New Zealand Pale Ale and New Zealand IPA categories, visit NZ Hops online at nzhops.co.nz or find them on social media. There you'll learn about varieties bursting with white wine, stone fruit, and tropical fruit aromas and more. Hops from New Zealand are unlike any others found on the globe. Discover them today. And now, back to my conversation with Emily Vitas and Mike Patterson of Small Change Brewing. Um, did, did you see a change in what people were buying? Cause I, I, I've, 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 I've been curious just to start to, to uh, more than a year in now, see like what the metrics were, because there were early on people, I think we're going for like the really high test stuff. And it was like, Oh, we're going to clean out our cellars or we're going to all have, uh, Imperial stouts all uh, every night. Cause the world is ending kind of thing. And then I think by the time the summer hit, it was session beers are really where I want to be, you know, because because I'm drinking a lot. Um, did did you see that? Did you see people sort of gravitating towards the milds or the pale ales, um, the lower ABV beers, the more the uh, pandemic wore on? A little bit, yeah. I mean, we we also don't have the kind of immediate flexibility to shift what we're doing. Um, right. We kind of just have to put out the same beer no matter what. Um, but we did come out with our first uh, IPA, uh, our, our first New England IPA last summer. Um, and that went really well. Uh, so I, I think I think people were drinking I, people were drinking more and to supplement the higher ABV beers, they were they were trying um, you know something under five. Uh, so we did see. We did see, I think, an increase in sales. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, especially the pale ale, like you know, the sort of easy drinking, um, slightly hoppy pale ale. Yeah. Let's talk about artwork, because on the, I, I, I love that on your website, you are giving credit to the artists, and there are uh, multiple artists for or different artists for 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 different cans. And while everybody has their own style, there also seems to be a commonality where your brand feels the same mm-hmm. um, throughout. And, and 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 I don't mean that in a boring way, but it's just oh, yeah, it's, that was, it's, it's helpfully identifiable. That was yeah. I mean, we we knew going in that um, uh, without sort of having a, a tap room to connect with customers, that we needed to make sure that the the cans were stood out on the shelf, you know, among yeah. the hundreds of other beer cans. So it was a conscious de- decision, I think, to, to make them um, feel like the same. Um, you can you can see it and you know it's a small change can, whether or not you know what the exact beer inside is. Emily, you, you before we started, you said you, you're responsible for everything on the outside of the can. Mike, Mike does the inside of the can. Um, when you're talking with artists, when you're thinking about new concepts where where do those conversations typically start or 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 what do you look for um when you want to start talking to 
somebody who's going to design something for you? Well, we, we come up with the name of the beer first, well, the style and the name. Um, and, you know, usually Mike is the one to direct kind of the feeling of, of what he wants. And then I am responsible for translating that feeling into some sort of visual something. Um, uh, it's, it's not often the, the most clear <laughs> path from, I want it to feel like this. And, it, you know, the, the name, um, the name of the beer uh, we usually take from a song. So, you know, we have not just the, the name, but also the music that's, that is behind that. And that's where like this feeling comes from. So that, you know, whatever, whatever the beer can ends up looking like, you know, will be related in some way to, to what the music feels like and what, what um, the name evokes. Uh, so when, you know, sometimes I, I do a can, um, I, I did the, the, a little rain with the umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the uh, whatever's cool with me with the bunny on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I do it because it's uh, because I have like inspiration. And sometimes it's because we don't have any current artwork. And the beer is you know being brewed that day and we need to get get the can the, the label to the printer, you know, by tomorrow. Um, I think that's how uh, the bunny came yeah. along. Uh, worked out nicely though, because it was right, right around Easter, so that worked out. Um, but when I talk to to artists, you know, we, uh, you know, we we have lots of very generous friends um, who who you know I, I looked, I wanted to to provide um, a place where you know their artwork would be seen uh, in different places, not just you know on a gallery wall or in somebody's house, but on shelves and in people's hands um, and you know, we always pay our artists, uh, although half of them are like, no, no, it's okay. But we, we like to pay them anyway. Um, good. Everybody uh, should be supporting their local artists. Oh, yes. absolutely. But you know, we have, so we have, we have friends who are artists. The, the second cam, um, was a friend of mine named uh, Jessica Gaddis, who uh, was a ceramicist and painter. Um, she also worked at the same place I did. And, uh, and she just gave me a bunch of her drawings. I was like, yeah, use whatever, you know, She's like, you can credit me. You don't have to, like, you know, I, I will. And, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's been great, uh, learning from the artists, you know, how, how they develop things. Um, and in conversations, uh, I think one of our most successful cans is the Havens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, that's by an artist named Sarah Dudek. Uh, she lives in Somerville, uh, which is the town we live in. And, uh, we met her at, uh, an art fair, she had a she had a booth and I loved her work and I said hey do you ever want to do a can here's my card and she jumped at it she you know it was she was so excited and uh it's been great working with her um and just you know the this feeling of community and just generosity and creativity it's it's been really great and you know with that can um that that's based on uh well do you want to tell this is kind of it's kind of convoluted, well, but <laughs> there, we have a, a bunch of friends. You've come to the right show. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Um, a bunch of friends and uh, artists, music people, um, radio DJs play a, a friendly pickup softball game um, on Saturdays, which has been going on since you know the early '80s. Um, and uh, the the trophy for the most entertaining play of the day, and not always the best play of the day, is uh, is made out of an old one of those old wooden tequila boxes that um, people have uh, like a box that a tequila bottle comes in and uh, people have decorated it over the years. And so we, we explained this to, to the Sarah, the artist who made the can and um, showed her some pictures and she came up with this um, just, it fit perfectly with. Um, yeah. And, and I've, I've, I've learned that, um, you know, when, when you hire an artist uh, you're hiring them because, because they're good and because uh, you trust them. And I didn't tell her what we wanted. Uh, I just told her what, what we were, what we wanted to evoke. And she came up with, with this and it was, you know, it really was fantastic and perfect. And, uh, you know, and sometimes it doesn't, doesn't work out exactly like that. And we go in a different direction in the can, but there's also, um, you know, we, we, we know that that the right, the right beer is out there for the artwork we haven't used yet. Um, and it's really exciting because it's like, Oh, I know, uh, I know what this one's going to be, you know, once we make, uh, 
a Mexican lager or, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's really fun working with artists. So I, as, as I've been listening to you, I've also been uh, on your website and looking at the various can art, um, you know, as, as we've been talking about it. Um, and I'll just remind everybody or tell everybody that it's smallchangebrewing.com slash r dash beer. Um, and that's where you can actually see what I'm about to talk about here. Going back to the music influence, what's really interesting to me is that, yes, there is a sameness to your cans where, you know, your name is very clearly uh, presentable, which is, which is great. Um, but so many of the cans that I think are out there these days um, are sort of doing art for art's sake or trying to do patterns or, or, or something that like just sort of becomes like background noise. It's almost like a wall of sound kind of thing where here, as I'm looking at them, these look like album covers to me or old CD covers. Um, and I'm sort of like thinking about like, you know, the time that you would spend listening to music uh, when I was younger, at least. And, you know, you have the liner notes and you have this, the, the jewel case for CDs and you're, you're sort of looking at the, the, the very intimate details of cover art or the minimalistic kind of uh, thing as well. Um, when, and that's just an aside, but like that's convoluted, I guess. But when you're thinking about music and beer and art, that's something that you know, that you two know, and maybe the artist is then keyed in on it. Is there a way that you found to convey that to the everyday drinker, somebody who grabs a can of the Havens or, you know, whatever it is like to, yeah, I, I don't, I don't even know if I'm articulating this question yeah, the right no, way. No, I but. think, I mean, first it's exactly what you're saying. Like we kind of treat making the label as, as like an art project that's fun, you know, um, whether we're working with an artist that's doing sort of the image in, in the center of the can or doing it ourselves. Um, it's kind of like a fun art project. And, um, and then we do, we sit down and we look at the label proof and we listen to the song at the, you know what I mean? We, we do exactly what you just said. We, we put the song on and we look at the, look at the label and see if it, if it fits before we send it off to get printed. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, see if it, if it is like a cohesive, you know, piece of art, you know, to sound really pretentious. Um, um, but I don't, I, I, I think it's, it's sort of, it's, I, I kind of like the idea that it's it's there for somebody to do that if they want to, um, but it's also like kind of not in your face. Like you can just grab it and pour it into a glass and chuck the can into the recycling bin, or you can sit there and look at it. And it's hopefully, if if you want that um, experience or option, like it's there for you to to kind of look at the art and you know go to the website and research the artist if you want to, or you know it's it's. And, you know, we put a quote on the can um, from the artist of the song. Um, and so hopefully people will will learn more about these musicians that have touched us so much um, and listen to these awesome songs. I, I, I like that. Um, when you're thinking about and you mentioned before that you, you, you have some art that's waiting for the right beer. I, where does that come from? Where does that inspiration come from? For the, to, to match up the art and the beer? Yeah. Uh, I don't I think it's, I, I think it's just for the, the stuff that they, hasn't been picked yet. Like, like does it come in, in, in different times, different waves and different ways, or is it just. It's just like, I don't know. I've, I've never written a good song, but you listen to artists, <laughs> like musicians talk about, Oh, it just, it just came out. Like, you know, it just happened. And, you know, I think that's sort of like we'll just we'll we'll have a piece of art or something that our friend made or, or or someone that we worked with that it just didn't you know we'll have this sort of art on the side and be like oh it's not it's not good and then we'll pull it out six months or a year later and go oh it's the perfect it's the, perfect the perfect combination yeah yeah and and I think it's um, like it just it just kind of happens and yeah. you know it's it's not like we're like kind of just waiting around for for these things like. Um, I feel like you have to work really hard to get to a place where things can click together. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we do that. We meet artists, uh, you know, it, uh, honestly, we meet a lot less now. We, uh, we, uh, you know, I've reached out to people on Instagram, um, but we, you know, we don't go to art fest, you know, art fairs anymore. Uh, 
maybe this summer, that would be great. Um, but we, you know, we talk to people a lot and we meet, we meet people through other people, people contact us and we're, so, you know, we're always talking with people. And I think it also helps, um, you know, when, if, if I don't know some, like I didn't know Sarah Dudek before, uh, before I approached her with the idea. Um, and then, you know, we went and had a beer together and talked about things and we could, you know, we liked each other and we, we talked about, you know, things in the same way and, and we really hit it off. So, you know, it was, it was fun doing a project with her. Um, so, you know, I think that helps a lot too, that it's not just trend, it's not just business. Um, we, we want to have fun doing it too. When you're writing a recipe, does, does something come out of like thin air for you, Mike, or is it like from the homebrewing days or are you still looking around for inspiration and then putting your own stamp on it? Um, you know, you said you never, you know, you haven't written a, a, a great song, but you've certainly written a lot of beer recipes over the year, uh, over the years. So is there a, are there aha moments when you're trying to put something together? Yeah, I think it's a combination of, of like constant tweaking to get to the right point. And then um, some of the beers is just like, uh, you know, we'll brew it once at home and it comes out great. And then we're like, oh, great. Well, that one's done. Um, yeah. So I know, you know, a little rain, the pale ale, that was, I mean, that was our first beer that we released um, when we started the company. And that was, yeah. that went through uh, 20, at least 20 um uh homebrew batches trying to trying to tweak it and get it right and perfect and um and sort of as the you know as the business started i've had less time to homebrew so it's a lot of you know <laughs> it's a lot of um just like well we're we got this like we can get this hop let's do an ipa with 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 that hop and um kind of base it off of a, a previous recipe that we that we've had emily are you still um pushing the agenda of the beers that you want to drink? Well, so I was, I was thinking about, I was thinking about, as Mike was talking and you were asking questions, like, you know, Mike always refers to brewing as we, um, and I gotta be honest, I don't do any of the brewing. Um, I and mostly because I don't like cleaning Yeah, and brewing is all cleaning. Um, and I watched it's him important. clean so many cans, um, so many bottles, um, in the beginning and just the endless cleaning, um, I really, uh, you know, and this is kind of unpopular. I really have no interest in any of that, um, but I do like drinking. Yeah, um, which is a very important part. Exactly. Yeah, no, that that's almost verbatim my answer when people ask me why I don't homebrew. Yeah, um, and I I really respect it. You know, <laughs> I think I think it's great when other people also come out as not um, brewers, but um, but I think you know I really was kind of an integral part of the process because when. Uh, he would brew a beer and I, I really liked it. You know, Mike wouldn't just say, Oh, great. She liked it. We would, you know, talk about why, what I liked about it. And, you know, we got better at, we, you know, we, we expanded our palates that way. Um, and then if I didn't like it, that wasn't enough. I couldn't just say, I didn't like it. Um, I, I would, you know, I, and I pushed myself to understand like what I didn't like about it. And then we would figure out, is this beer like poorly brewed or is it, just my preferences. Um, and so, you know, and, and, and thinking about that. And then also like, I started thinking about the way we make, um, the, the can art together. So I do, I do the majority of the work, but mm -hmm. Mike is integral to the process because he'll, you know, he comes up with an idea and it's kind of like the inverse of the way we do the brewing. The beer, yeah. Um, you know, he'll come up with the idea, um, and the feeling and then, I do it. And then if it's not right, he's like, ah, it's just not right. And that's, you know, I push him to tell me what's not right about it. Like, what's it missing? What's it, what's there too much of, you know, whatever it is. Um, and the closer he can get to expressing that, the better the can will be, or at least the quicker the process will be. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I actually hadn't really thought about that before. Um, yeah. Honestly, I thought you were just kind of a pain in the ass, but um, <laughs> But now putting it in the context of the way I would approach, like tasting the beer, I realize you're not a, a pain in the ass. It's just that you didn't have the vocabulary, perhaps, mm -hmm. to talk about it. 
I'm, I'm glad I can help you guys here yeah. and uh, like, uh, explore your feelings and your open lines of communication. Podcast well, slash counseling session. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know. I'll being, send you my bill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, be, being married and having a family and having a uh, family business is, you know, I think it can go one of two ways, really good, really, really good or, you know, not so good. Um, and it's, it's going really well for us. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we have moments mostly around when the can is not coming together, where we, you know, have disagreements and, you know, may, may not be able to talk to each other um, in the right way, but then, you know, we work it out and that's, it's really cool actually. Um, Cause we're kind of just doing this without a playbook. Um, and I can tell a story about uh, actually something that went really, really much better than I thought it would. Um, we did the uh, artwork for Push the Sky Away mm -hmm. together. Um, you and might that's a skyline it. view. And yeah. yeah. And it's a Nick Cave song. And um, it's kind of a like a, a slow smoldering song um, that like builds and it's kind of dramatic. And it was very dramatic. And, uh, you know, so Mike came up with this idea. He wanted, he wanted buildings and a skyline. And he's like, and I'm going to do a watercolor of it. I was like, but. She very politely told me that I'm a terrible artist. Well. And, and convinced me to. That, that's uh, she said, how about collage? And, I said, uh, I said, but you've never done any watercolor ever before in your life. And he said, yeah, yeah, but it'll be fine. I was like, but that's one of the hardest kinds of painting that you could do. And, um, and so then I politely suggested um, collage and I got all these magazines for him and he took my advice and made all these collages and then we scanned them and put them into, uh, into Adobe Illustrator and then kind of, it was great. We sat together, moved things around. I moved things around and he, you know, made suggestions and we talked about it and it was really fun and it went really well. And it was like, it was so much nicer than him just telling me like, no, I don't like it. Like we worked together and we'd never done that before on, on a, an art project. So uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I like that. And, and it's, it's so interesting to hear that because when I talk to folks who, if there is a brick and mortar facility or if there is a tap room, there, there's now 10,000 more things that you need to be focused on and finding those quiet moments um, that, that sort of seems to be a theme when, when I when I talk to uh, uh, couples that are uh, running a brewery together, where it's, you know, the quiet moments are almost impossible to come by, or the together creative moments are, are very, very difficult to come by because there's so many other moving parts. So it's, it's, it's nice to hear that you're able to do that with, with this model. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to, I mean, it's also a necessity, like we need the beer can, we need the label. Sure. You know, so it's it's we're we're almost forced into taking the time to to do that. Is the future mild? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I would love I would love to say yes, but no. What uh, what is the next style that you're hoping to put out? Uh, that's sort of not getting the love that it deserves these days. That you would love people to gravitate towards. Bonus um, points for Rauk beer. Oh yeah, I, you know I was just thinking about that the other day. Um, <laughs> I'm teasing, but yeah. Yeah, you know, well, the brew, Great North, um, Great North, where we brew, they uh, they have a beer called Smokin', which I think was you know uh, they entered it in that. Um, I mean, before the brewery started, it won that national Sam Adams homebrew contest. Oh um, sure, that recipe, and then the long um, shot, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that's that's a great beer, but um, yeah, I mean, I. It's not so much the obscure styles, it's not so much the specific obscure styles, but just to have, you know, sort of other options on the shelf, um, uh, you know, uh, in a sea of, in a sea of hoppy beers. Um, but I think we're, we're hoping to do just like a straightforward German style Pilsner. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, yeah. I, there's nothing wrong with that. I love that. Yeah. Oh, and I made the can art for that. I'm really excited about that. Um, but we we better put it out before the um, the pandemic is over because it it relates to the pandemic. So um, we gotta gotta get on our horse. Nothing nothing quite like uh, 
pandemic themed labels to to really get people thirsty and excited yeah yeah well no i mean it's 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 more subtle than that it's All right. uh, yeah it's there's a lot of you know there's always I, I think what we we try to do with the can art is is um you know because there's a lot of things that are very personal like these things you know it means a lot to us and we also we need to make it so that other people can have you know some feeling when they see it um, and it's not too obscure that it is just a private joke between our, you know, between us, um, which is fun, but, you know, I think it's just less, uh, less meaningful to other people. So, yeah. Um, well, your beer is available in the greater Massachusetts, New England area. So anybody who's, uh, hasn't had it yet, go out, get yourself some four packs and drink and listen to music and enjoy the, the overall experience um emily and mike thanks for taking the time today and, and and talking with me this was this really was a lot of fun to to hear your story and to to see that uh couples can work together in breweries in a in a good meaningful way so thank you yeah oh yeah, thank you thanks this so is, much John. this is great my thanks to Emily and Mike for making the time to talk. And I realized after I was done with this interview that I didn't have a mild in the house. And now I kind of wish that I did. But I also always want a Rauch beer. If you do as well, check out the This Week in Rauch Beer on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also check out BeerEdge.com and the Beer Edge podcast. If you're interested in advertising on this show, I'll ask you to reach out to Liz Melby. She's on email at Liz at BeerEdge.com. And speaking of that, this episode is sponsored by Athletic Brewing. At Athletic Brewing Company, their innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to golden ales and more, they offer a full selection of beers starting at only 50 calories. Now you can keep your head clear and enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime, anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. NZ Hops is a proud sponsor of Drink Beer, Think Beer. Harvest has officially ended in New Zealand, and there are exciting hops to choose from, including Nelson Savin, Motuika, Ruwaka, and the newest hop in the lineup, Nectaron. The white wine, stone fruit, and tropical fruit notes layered with pine, citrus, and herbal notes offer a range of flavors unlike any other growing region in the world. Learn more about what they can do for your beers by visiting nzhops.co.nz or finding NZ Hops on social media. And Brees has been malting barley for 145 years, and the fifth generation of family ownership is currently leading the company. But the values have always remained the same, producing the highest quality, most consistent malt, and working directly with their customers to help them succeed. From Pilsners to Porters and everything in between, Brees offers the finest handcrafted malts, extracts, and adjuncts to help you brew the perfect beer. Visit Brees.com or visit their social media channels to see and to learn more. Nate Weber does the music. Jeff Quinn designed our logo. Remember to defend Pilsner. I'm John Hall. New episodes of this show release every Wednesday. And that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.